praise the Lord. Glory to God. Amen. But again, just going over again, last week I really spoke about the Feast of Trumpets. And this is the Jewish feast. Well, I shouldn't say the Jewish feast because it's God's feast. Uh, or they call them the Mohedim or his appointed times. They're based in the scripture. They're, they, they, they come from the Father. And um, so that was them emphasizing last week there was the importance of Israel. What I'm recognizing more and more is there's an anti-Semitic spirit is rising, not only in the nation, but it's always been in the church. I brought that very clearly last week. And if you didn't get it, it's online. You can listen to it morning and evening. And people say, well, what's Israel got to do with us? Well, you might as well say, what Jesus got to do with us? Because Jesus was born as an Israelite. He was born from the tribe of Judah. He was born into that Jewish culture, the Hebraic manuscripts that we have before us called the Bible. That's where they originated from, although they've been translated in many different languages. And I just wanted to emphasize the importance of the nation of Israel, even as it stands today. And you could revisit with that as well. So glory to God. Again, people say, what have these feasts got to do with us? Well, they're, they're God's feasts. And they're rich, as I says, the spring feasts were all pointing to the first coming of the Lord Jesus Christ, the Passover lamb. He fulfilled them completely, perfectly, according to the very day and time, exactly. Even when the Israelites were sacrificing the Passover lamb, that Jesus Christ was crucified that very moment in time. Exactly on time as God told us. The autumn feasts are all about the second coming of the Lord Jesus Christ. You could look at probably the last trumpet call. That would be the Feast of Trumpets. That will probably be the rapture. And I'll leave you to work out when you think the rapture is going to happen or not happen. I'm not even going to get involved in that this morning. And then the Day of Atonement was when the Lord Jesus Christ is going to come and he's going to hold court and hold people accountable. That will be on the Day of Atonement. And then we'll get into a couple of days, five days or so, and then we come into the Feast of Tabernacles. And that's when then the Lord is going to be here, and we're going to be a great feast for eternity, for the kingdom of God, for those who've been invited into it. And we will have the Lord tabernacling with us forever and ever and ever and ever and ever. We will never be separated from him. There's a short separation. He says, I go to prepare a place for you. If I go to prepare a place for you, I'm coming back for you. Glory to God. Not to burst anybody's bubbles in here, but our home is not heaven. Our home is the earth. Our home is the earth. Hallelujah. Yes, we might we pass on just now, but we'll go to the heavenly realms, but we'll be coming back. Heaven is coming to earth. Glory to God. And God will tabernacle with us forever. Wickedness will be removed. Righteousness will be restored according to the order of the Lord and according to the Holy Scriptures. But again, I just want to just emphasize here. Therefore, that's why we need people then to really be able to teach us the Word of God. Amen. That's why God has given his teachers. That's why Jesus gave his teachers. Ephesians 4 and 11, he says, he gave his apostles, prophets, teachers, evangelists, and hallelujah. I'm missing one there, isn't there? Just a slip of the tongue. Apostles, prophets, pastors, teachers, and evangelists. God has given us and established teachers in the kingdom, teachers in the church. That's very clear in Ephesians and Titus as well. Paul says, left Titus in place, it says, to establish leaders to teach the people. Do you know something? This is the biggest problem we've got in church just now. Everybody's got their own particular person they want to listen to or the person. I would just say this. Find teachers that are actually, that you can come, or find a church that you can come and you can feel at home in and just say, do you know something? I've got faith in what is coming from the front. Does that mean you say you have to agree with everything? No, because there's many people get many different views in here. But can I feel at home in here? Glory to God. And that's the most important things. I used to say to many people when they're looking for a church, some people come to me and say, well, what's your youth group like? You got a good youth group? Have you got crash facilities? 
What about children's work? And it's as if they're coming here like a shopping list and say, right, I want to make sure you've got this, this, and this, and this, and that. Okay, then, because now I can feel comfortable coming to the church. Listen to me. That is boulder dash, to use a good word. The most important thing you need to be careful for, if I find any churches, are they preaching truth? Are they preaching something that I cannot agree with? And if they're preaching something, you're sitting there and you're like, oh, can't, then please do yourself a favor and go and find another church so you can say, do you know something? I can agree with what is said. Not maybe under everything, but at least I can feel at home in that environment and I am comfortable in what is being taught. Don't sit and become negative and all of a sudden now we're just sitting there and people, you're just saying, oh, this is nonsense, nonsense, nonsense. It's all I'm saying is, if you think it's nonsense, find some place out there that you can come and you can find the truth. As a Christian, I want to tell you this, I want to know the truth. The Bible says, Jesus says, I'm the truth. And when you find the truth, the truth will set you free. And I want to make sure if anybody's preaching from this word, that what he's preaching, I can say amen to. Or else I can agree to disagree, but it's not going to make me fall out, okay? And we could probably talk about pre- and post-trib in the midst of that. Amen. But at least I can find a place where I can say, I feel at home here. So that, first of all, it needs to be the word centered. This word needs to be centered to the, everything. Because if somebody's preaching something that's not in line with this gospel, and there are many and I'm talking about many churches who are not preaching. We were on the streets not that long ago on Wednesday, and a woman engaged with us, and she was asking me some question. And she goes to a particular church, and she says, it was an Anglican church. And what do you believe, she says. It's amazing. And da, da, da. we just says, well, I say I believe the Bible. I say I'm very Bible, you know, literate. And I say that's what I want to believe in. But as we were talking a little bit more, and she was speaking about this and that, and I just had that sense to say, you know, well, anyway, we got onto the subject of same-sex marriage. Okay? That's where we got onto it. And her fellowship is very keen that they can carry out these services. And her ministers carried out a few. And she says, well, amen to that. And we were talking a little bit more. And I says, we just stopped on the track. I says, can I just give you a little piece of advice? You've been asking me what I believe in all the rest of it. Can I say, see if I was sitting in a church and they are promoting this and saying this is good and wholesome and God is very happy with it, that I can bless these relationships. I says to you, can I leave that church immediately? because it's not in line with the Holy Scriptures. And I'm not here, if she says, you can't throw people under the bus. I says, I'm not talking about throwing anybody under any bus. I says, but I want to tell them the truth. And I will do that in love, but I need to tell them the truth. I'm not going to tell them something that actually is not going to actually take them to a lost eternity, because it's not in line with this word, and it is a big deal. Amen? And there's many other big deals. I says, therefore, I would not, and not only that, then I will probably be guilty as well of going the same road if I'm promoting that. Now, I just brought that one up. There's many other areas we could bring up as well, guys. Everything has got to be centered on this word. So when I speak about the Jewish feast, or shall I say, God's feast, and people say, what's that got to do with us now? That's, that's there, and we are here. No, it's not. It's here, and it's here for a reason. Hallelujah. It's here for our instruction. These feasts are telling us something, and it's telling us about the second coming of the Lord Jesus Christ. Much of the church lost sight of this, and that was one of them. I never get taught that in a church that I used to belong to all those years ago. It wasn't emphasized. It wasn't demonized, but it wasn't emphasized. And so I was robbed of something that I should have been enlightened to. Glory to God. Hallelujah. And I'm not lifting Israel away up here where I'm worshiping at their footstool. No. I'm worshiping at his footstool, amen, glory to God. But I think there's stuff in here that we need to be, that is rich and for the teaching of the saints, and I believe that God wants us to hear that. So now as we're on to the autumn feast, it's talking again of what the second coming of the Lord Jesus Christ. And we'll probably just focus a little bit on maybe the day of atonement, but I'm going to just read here a few verses from the scriptures. It says this, 
For the law, having a shadow of the good things to come and not the very image of these things, can never with the same sacrifices which they offer continually, year by year, make those who approach perfect. For then they would not have ceased to be offered. For the worshippers, once purified, would have no more consciousness of sins. But in those sacrifices, there is a reminder of sins every year. For it's not possible for the blood of bulls and goats could take away sins. Talking about the Old Testament where they constantly had to sacrifice as a means to appease God for the sins of personal and of the nation. Verse 5, Therefore, when he came into the world, he said, Sacrifice and offering you do not desire, but a body you have prepared for me. In burnt offerings and sacrifices for sin you had no pleasure. Then I said, Behold, I have come, and the volume of the book it is written of me to do your will, O God. Previously saying, sacrifice and offering, burnt offerings and offerings for sin you did not desire, nor you had pleasure in them, which were offered according to the law. Then he said, Behold, I have come to do your will, O God. He takes away the first that he may establish the second. By that will you have have been sanctified through the offering of the body of Jesus Christ once and for all. Hallelujah. And every priest stands ministering daily and offering repeatedly the same sacrifices which can never take away sins. But this man, after he had offered one sacrifice for sins, forever sat down at the right hand of God. From that time, wait until his enemies were made his footstool. For by one offering, he had made perfected forever those who were being sanctified. Glory to God. Isn't that amazing, guys? We are being cleansed by the power of the living blood of the living Christ. By the Holy Spirit also witnesses to us that for after he had said this before, This is a covenant I will make with them after those days, said the Lord. For I will put my laws in their hearts and in their their minds I will write on them. Then he adds, their sins and their lawless deeds I will remember no more. Now where there is remission of these, there is no longer any offering for sin. For Christ Jesus has come done it all, brethren. Hallelujah. Therefore, brothers and brethren, having boldness to enter the holiest by the blood of Jesus, by a new and a living way which he consecrated for us through the veil that is his flesh, and having a high priest over the house of God, let us draw near with a true heart and full assurance of faith, having our hearts sprinkled from an evil conscience and our bodies washed with pure water. Let us hold fast to the confession of our hope without wavering, for he who promised is faithful. And let us consider one another in order to stir up love and good works, not forsaking the assembling together of ourselves as some in the manner of doing, but exhorting one another and so much more as you see the day approaching. Hallelujah. So there was problems here as well. Do not forsake the gathering together, brethren, as some are in the habit of doing, but let us come together to exhort, to encourage, to inspire one another. But here we've seen here, Jesus is the great high priest. He was the one that was written who was coming he was coming to take away the sin of the world. Hallelujah. That dividing wall, that separation that separated us from God. For God cannot tolerate sin. Sin cannot come into the presence of a living God. For God is, a sin is opposed to the living one. And we were all sinners. When we were born, we were born with sin. And some of you might take exception to that. But I want to tell you this. When we were born, we were born of a fallen nature. But God had put something in place for us to restore us that we might have that born again experience. Glory to God. He was going to give us a new nature by his spirit and his son, the Lord Jesus Christ. Hallelujah. We call it born again. People sometimes take offense, you know, born again Christians. Well, I'd like to just say I'm a Christian. Every Christian should be born again. If you're calling yourself a Christian, what you mean is then you are born again. You have been renewed. You are changed. You're making a statement. I am now no longer the old 
People would come up to me. Maybe some people could have problems with me because of a past life. Hallelujah. And I could say, look, I'm sorry, but that past life you're offended with is no longer here. I'm a new man in Christ Jesus. Hallelujah. I'm still on the process of being perfected. So don't point the finger at me. And many people point fingers at you. And you call yourself to be a Christian. How many times have I heard that? I says, yes, I do, but I'm still on a journey, so please speak to me at the end of time and when, when I'm sparkling. <laughs> Glory to God. Nobody claimed to be perfect. I always remember Ben Patu, and one time we were standing, he was standing outside the church in Stock Street, and somebody was walking by, and Ben says, excuse me, sir, service is just about to start. Please, why don't you come in and join us? Uh, join us? You must be joking. Hypocrites! Hypocrites, a lot of you. Churches are full of hypocrites. Now, he's probably, got, he's probably got a right to say that because there is a lot of, shall we say, people are not so bright in the church. And Ben's reply was, and I've said this before, but it's a classic. It's worth saying more and more. Ben says, why don't you come and join us? There's room for one more. <laughs> <laughs> and I just silenced them, you know. I mean, it's so easy to be critical. It's so easy to say, ah, this. And we, we could point the fingers at any institution. I mean, how many fingers could we point at the government just now? Come on, guys. You know, is there anybody perfect? I mean, we can all spot the, 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 the flaws. Hallelujah. The church was never flawless. But the one we serve is flawless. Amen. Hallelujah. Amen. We, are, we, we are becoming more and more flawless as we get rid of our flaws along the journey. That's what being in church is all about, or being in the kingdom of God is all about. It's being constantly transformed, isn't it? From glory to glory. We're all being conformed to be the image of Jesus Christ. Isn't that amazing? That was the standard. Gold standard. I mean, God didn't say, right, I'll, go, I'll make these like a thousand, one of my angels, maybe a, a hundred thousands down the rankings, which would be brilliant as well, I might add. But no, it's, I'm going to conform you to the image of my son. Do you know what salvation is all about, brethren? That God wanted to bring us so close to us that we can say, Abba, Father, my Father. I mean, the young Robbie there, he'll know when he speaks to his dad, Thomas, and that, 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 that bond that they have. And do you know something? That's nothing, nothing in comparison to the bond that we will have with God. Do you know how close God has brought us to him? It just blows away your mind. But when that day comes, our eyes will be open, we'll be transformed, and we will know that. We will know him. Guess what? As he knows us. Amen. Glory to God. What a wonderful salvation we have, brethren. Yes, we're living in this world just now, and it really is getting worse and worse and worse. I've read two articles there in America. Do you know, America's plummeting just now. They've lost their... That, that, that godliness that they thought they might be one side of it is going, going, and going. I listened to an article there. There was a man going by on a bike just recently. And there was, a, there, was a, there was an older man, maybe about, I don't know, maybe in his 80s, driving a bike. And some man pulled up in the car, just got out of the car, walked up to him and shot him, shot him, in a bit, shot him dead. Just like that. Been arrested. No reason, no rhyme, no reason. Didn't know him, just, just shot him. And there was another situation took place like that as well. It was just somebody glaring and just murdered somebody in cold daylight. And this is where we are seeing an explosion of wickedness. You know what's happening? And you wonder, why is all that happening? Well, listen, let me just give you an indication. What is it? Young kids now are not throwing sticks up at trees now, getting chestnuts. Remember that? Then the old fishing, they're running about playing kick the can. I'm showing my age a little bit here, I might add. You know what they're all doing now? Games. You know what the games are? You're running about, you're shooting this one, shooting the next one. So I get, I get 10 points if I can run down an old granny on a bike. I can get X number of pounds if I'm, you know, and it's all these crazy, violent, or very perverse games. And you know something? See now the, the, the mode of, of the internet and now the games now, they're so, they're so alive. It's livid. And people are living that now, living it, living it, living it. 
I want to tell you this, and then the demonic powers just take charge of it, and all of a sudden now we're seeing a massive increase of all these kinds of wickedness and perversity, and it's all getting, they're feeding on a diet now, you know. I used to feed on a diet, it was John Boy Walton, <laughs> the Waltons, and, you know, and Little House in the Prairie. Good night, John Boy, good night, you know, say my prayers, and you were raised, but there was that, there was on the culture. Now we're just in the rage of violence and sexual perversity. We're feeding on it, feeding it, and feeding it. And then you wonder why kids are growing up the way they are. No, why? Because you are what you eat, as the old expression goes. What you're feeding them, what's going in your eye gate and your ear gate is having an impact. I digress slightly, but we'll bring that out because we'll probably brought it back in towards the end there. Could we see here Jesus is our great atonement? And that's what the Day of Atonement was symbolizing. You'll get that in Leviticus 16, a whole chapter about the high priest. One day a year, only one day per year. Because it says nobody could come into the most holy place, only the high priest. And it had to be just that day, on that special day, which actually begins tonight at sundown and finishes tomorrow at sundown. So let's say Monday, okay? And that one particular day, and on that day, he had to wash with special washings. They had to put on special clothes. I wore this white, well, kind of off-white. Should we say that's an off-white, isn't it? I, I think it's um, Ngozi there. She's got white there, and I'm kind of palish next to that. But anyway, white linen, white robes. And then he had his special washing, special cleansings. And then he would have to have a special sacrifice just for him. He had to have a bull just to sacrifice for his sin before he could begin then. And then there was the two goats. Remember, they were set apart, two goats. And it, it, by law, one was to be chosen, another one was to be chosen for the slaughter. Could you imagine those two goats? You'd be like, outside, the two goats would probably pray, oh God, I pray it's him. <laughs> Pointing the finger at one another. I joked slightly. Anyway, one was chosen, the lot fell, and that was the one that was going to be sacrificed. And then the lot fell, another one, and that was going to be the scapegoat. So amazing how this language creeps in, isn't it? You know, we're looking for a scapegoat. That was you who did it. <laughs> Sorry, Anne, just picking you there. I had to pick in somebody. <laughs> Love you, Anne. Good to see you. Great to see you sitting in church, actually. Hallelujah. And so one then was going to be slaughtered, was put to death, because then that one was going to be a sacrifice for the sins. And it was to be slaughtered, and the blood was to be taken, and it was to be splashed against the altar seven times by the high priest as he went into the most holy of places. And the other one, he came out, another one, he laid his hands upon the scapegoat, and he, and he played, and, and on the laying on of the hands upon that animal, the sin was transferred to that goat. And then someone took that goat out into the wilderness and loosed the goat, and it was taken away. And the picture was really there that Jesus was fulfilling is that Jesus was taking away the sin of the world, never to be remembered. You know some of those ones in them. Isaiah 1 and 18 says, Though your sins be like scarlet, though they shall be, they shall be as white as snow. Even though they be red as crimson, they shall be made like wool. Hallelujah. Isn't that amazing that God hasn't set any kind of degrees? I will forgive you up until a point. Right, okay, I can forgive you. I can forgive you. But I can't forgive <laughs> No, Linda, no. <laughs> but I can't forgive you. That sin is for unforgivable. Or the unforgivable sins. And maybe the Bible does mention that there's one, you know, that you could transgress. And we'll let the Lord work that one out. And it's transgressing the Holy Spirit. But we'll leave that just now. But God says, though your sins be like scarlet. He's given hope to everybody. Everybody is hoping that. Everybody. Somebody once came up to me and says, are you telling me that God would forgive Hitler? I says, I'm telling you, sir, if Hitler truly, truly repented, truly repented, and asked for forgiveness, and I'll leave that with God, then God is duty-bound to forgive him. 
Let me hear that. God must, must forgive us. Must. Not that he, well, I'll think about it. Well, I'm God. I'll make up my own mind. No, no, no. God must. Like if Linda came and sincerely asked God for forgiveness and realized that she was a sinner, came to that place of recognizing that and came before God in sincerity of heart, repented of her sins, God must forgive her. Must. Because he said it in his word. He's, he's committed himself to forgive us. Even though your sins be like scarlet, I will cleanse you white as snow. Whosoever should come to me and respond to me, then I must respond to them. Do you know the hope that that gives us? I don't have to come. You know, even in the culture of Judaism just now, and they will come and the, and the high priest, now they can't do it now because the temple's been destroyed. Although there's talk they want to build a third temple. I'll leave you out there whether you think there will be or will not be. But because they cannot offer those animal sacrifices, it's as if, well, we're never quite sure. We're never quite sure that our sins have been forgiven. We're never quite sure that God has really ultimately forgiven us that. They like to hope that, but they've not got that full assurance. Brethren, we have got full assurance. Our sins have been forgiven. We have got full assurance because of the sacrifice of the Lord Jesus Christ. I don't have to worry about it. If I've sincerely asked for forgiveness, then he has sincerely forgiven me of all my sins. Hallelujah. And so we can see that the symbolism there and the, and, and the feast and the Day of Atonement, the high priest, Jesus fulfilled it completely when he came into this world. He died for our sins. He was the one our sins were transferred to him. The sin of the world was on him. If you like, as human beings, we laid hands upon him and we transferred our sin of the world was placed upon the Lamb of God. Do you remember? And even, I mean, maybe the Jews would must, must have been wondering about that when John the Baptist says, Behold, the Lamb of God, who takes away the sin of the world. He didn't say take away the sin of Israel. He says he took away the sin of the world. The big picture, amen. Glory to God. Yes, Jesus came first for the people of Israel. But he ultimately was always only opening up the door to the whole, to the whosoever, to the Gentiles. Glory to God. And whatever man that means or country we stay in, we all can be lumped together as the Gentiles. Glory to God. But we were all created in the image of God. Amen. And God wants us back again. The Bible says that very clearly. God takes no pleasure in the death of the wicked, but rather that they would repent and come to their senses. Hallelujah. Glory to God. God is in the means of saving us. God doesn't want anyone to perish. People come up to me and say, well, you're telling me God will send me to hell. How can a loving God is that? Is? And I stopped in the tracks. I says, no, excuse me. God sent no one to hell. And God is not sending you to hell, my friend. You are sending yourself to hell. Because God came into this world to save sinners. God's up through you a big rope and says, take hold of the rope. Because you're dying in your sins and your trespasses. But guess what? I don't want you to die. I want you to have life. Please, take the rope. And you know what the rope is? That's his son here. Take my son and I will save you. And people like, no, I'm not interested. No, what? And gee up my life? Gee up my, whatever that might, no, whatever it is, you know. My womanizing, my money, my making, my, my penthouse, you know, I've got, I've got a blonde in every, every continent. I've got yachts. I've got power. You tell me I need to give that up? Yes, if it's stopping you from the kingdom of God. If it's stopping you from the kingdom of God, just take hold of my son. Hallelujah. And whosoever takes hold of him, glory to God. He will just bring you to himself, cleanse you, and then you can enter into the most holy of holies. Isn't that amazing? Because outside that, your sin will always keep you apart from God. But you know, God wants, God's reaching out to you and says, look, please get rid of your sin. It's offensive to me. I can't, get, I can't bring you close because of your sin. 
biggest problem is when people say, well, I'm not, how dare you call me a sinner? I get that a lot as well with people. I'm not a sinner. I'm a good guy. I'm a good girl. I'm okay. And whose eyes are you looking at yourself through? Your own eyes in the mirror, my friends. But I want to tell you this, when you look through the eyes of this book, this is a mirror. And someone once says, I think I said that a couple of weeks ago, but I can't take credit for it. It says, not only do we read the Bible, but the Bible reads me. Amen. Hallelujah. It's the mirror. And it will prod you and touch your heart and go, hang on a sec here, I've got problems. <laughs> and when I started to come to church before I gave my heart to the Lord, I started reading, I mean, we've got problems here. And it took me four years because I wrestled with this young man. I'm not ready for quite giving up my fleshly activities, even though that was a bit of a joke anyway. But anyway, glory to God. So we can see here, the Son of God came and filled the, those completely on the Day of Atonement. Jesus Christ died. Hallelujah. Just as it died for the sin of the world, glory to God. And because of that death, hallelujah, God's wrath was satisfied. The blood, the atoning blood of the Lamb of God, hallelujah. The lambs and bulls could never have taken away. Do you know what it was like? They were covered. They were just covered. But somebody had to pay the price one day. That's what the whole sacrificial system was. An innocent animal had to die that your sins were forgiven, but it were only covered. It's a little bit like, you know, when you maybe go and buy something, you get your credit card out, and you go like, you just put it on the credit card. Boof. These credit cards are terrible things, aren't they? You know, I mean, I used to live in the day, you would be like, you'd, be, you'd have to stick your face up against the glass, and you can look at that behind there, and, oh, I like that settee. You can look at it until you were blue in the face, but I want to tell you that, the only way you were getting out of that shop was when you had to put money in the table. Then you could take it out. Now you can take it out, just put it in the card. Nothing to pay for a year. You know, when you get to the guys when you go to the, the, the car showroom, boof, they've got them up in these big, they've got them elevated, aren't they? Especially in the summer, there's that sports car, the roof's down, push you a button. Everything's gleaming. Just a deposit, 100 pounds, you can drive me away today. The wrong spirit can get a hold of you, and before you know it, you're driving down the road with the sunshades on. <laughs> Nothing to pay for a year. Ooh, it's on credit. But then the day will come, when somebody's going to have to pay the price, hallelujah, and there's many people in a terrible mess. Well, that's just like that. That was, that was a credit system in the, pa the past. Everything was uncredited, credited, but someone was going to have to pay the price. Amen? It was covered, but there was always going to have to be a price paid. Jesus came into this world to pay the price. He was the one who was coming to pay the price of the mess, of the sin. Hallelujah. Yeah, God had made a means to cover that, but someone had to come and pay the price. And Jesus Christ was the Lamb of God who came and took away the sins of the world. Listen, I know he's taken away my sin. Hallelujah. Do you know how good that feels? Do you know, just to know, that, that, just that knowing that you're not right. And then all of a sudden, someone can take all of that away and you'll just get this peace. This is like the peace of God. I just felt, wow. I just feel so light. I just feel, wow. I've still, I've, I mean, I had nothing before I get saved. I had nothing after I get saved. Do you know what I mean? I was living the kind of just getting by, you know what I'm saying? I walked up the road as if I was walking in here. Hallelujah. Glory to God. I had everything. I always says this, it'll cost you everything to get the king to get to get the kingdom of God. But once you've got the kingdom of God, you've got everything. Amen. <laughs> but you need to get rid of everything to attain it. Hallelujah. Die to self, live in the life of the Spirit. So we can see here the Lord Jesus Christ is the one who came. To what? To take away the sin of the world, to take away yours. He is the faithful high priest. And not only did he rise, he, took the, he, he rose victorious from the grave. But Jesus entered into heaven. You know, these earthly temples that were down here were only a shadow and type of the glorious temple which is in the heavenly realms. 
but it was figuratively, but it's like there's a glorious temple in the heavenly realms. And Jesus rose, and when he came before the Father, do you know what? He brought his blood into the kingdom of heaven, before the real tabernacle in heaven. And he presented his blood at that tabernacle, and the Father received that sacrifice and forgave us. Hallelujah. Glory to God. And that blood still speaks a better word today. It still screams out in heaven. Hallelujah. When the accuser comes to accuse us, our faithful high priest now is seated in the heavenly realms beside the Father. Shut your mouth, Satan. Hallelujah. That sin's covered by the blood. Do you know Satan's mouth is shut? He can say nothing against the blood. The blood, the blood, the blood. Oh, the blood of the Lord. Hallelujah. That's still living and active today. So even though when we fall short of the glory of God, as 1 John tells us, 1 John 1, 9, but when we confess those sins, God is faithful and just to forgive them. And this is what we have to keep reminding ourselves. You know what the biggest problem is in the Day of Atonement is actually dealing with? Sin. That's the problem. Sin. Hallelujah. That is a big problem even today, even many times. Sin is a problem. Isaiah said this. I'll read it from you. Isaiah 59. Behold, the Lord's hand is not shortened that it cannot save, nor is his ear heavy that it cannot hear. But your iniquities have separated you from your God, and your sins have hidden his face from you, so that he will not hear. Hallelujah. We see here sin is a problem, always has been a problem. And I want to tell you this there's a lot of sin in the church as well. Do you know it's a problem in the church? This is why the Bible says, you know, sometimes we come into church and we think we've repented of our sins and everything's fine, but it's not. Do you know why? Because it's so easy to get entangled. The Bible says, you know, do not get entangled again. Sin, it gets so easily to entangle us. And you sometimes say, why is God not hearing me? Why is, why, 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 why is God not hearing my prayers? I get a lot of people come and say that to me at times. And I would always say this, you know, you need to just give yourself a standard check. Away and spend a couple of days alone with the Lord and just say, look, how's your life? You know, you know see when you're not feeling too good. What do you do? Generally go do anyway. You go to the doctors for a checkup, don't you? And it usually does. Takes the blood, takes the urine, you know, puts that your thing in your heart, boop, 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 takes your pulse. We take the vital signs. Well, at least you're living. <laughs> but they have to take the signs, don't they? They take the signs and then, they, and then, and then when they look at the, they examine everything else, they say, well, you're, what, you're missing some iron or you're low on this, you're low on that. There's this going on, there's that going on. There's a wee murmur in your heart here. We need to be need to do whatever. And you say, never know why I'm not feeling too good. Now I can do something about it. And then he says, like, you need to eat better. You know, eat a lot of food with iron. Da, 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 da. You'll get the remedy. Well, a good doctor hopefully will give you a remedy. Likewise, sometimes we can just get before the Lord and we say, well, you know, I just, I'm not, I'm just, I don't know. I've not got my joy, I've not got my peace. When you can lack joy and peace, there's something just not right. Listen, it might be an attack of the devil and you're going through all hell. Listen, that happens from time to time. Been there, got the t-shirt, you know what I mean? You just know, you just know within yourself, it's as if there's just, I'm just, I'm just, there's a terrible attack upon my life. Hallelujah. And you'll go through seasons like that. And it's not because I'm sinning or anything. It just means I just feel as if there's just an attack upon me and we'll all get those. Amen. But there's other times you can do that. Hence the reason going back last week and I says, you know something? The Jews, they call the days from the Feast of Trumpets to the Day of Atonement. They, there's a 10-day period. They call it the Days of Awe. Amen. And I just said to anybody in the fellowship, look, that's always a good time just to have a good look at yourself. Have examine yourself. And, you know, just, you know, as the Jews do during over those 10 days, 
they really examine themselves and they, and they start to say, I need to get myself right with God. I need, it's, you know, it's time for me. They've maybe not been living their life. And they start to kind of do a bit of repentance and they start to try and get right with God. Do you know who else they want to get right with? Their brothers and sisters or if anybody that might have offended. They say, I need to put this right before the Day of Atonement. That great day, the most holiest day in the calendar or the most solemn day in the calendar of the Jewish calendar. Even secular Jews are going to probably be fasting this Monday. 25 hours, technically. Even the ones that don't do, are not religious, that's the, the secular ones. What is it the one said, someone says, in Tel Aviv they play, and in Jerusalem they pray. There's a, lot of, there's, a, there's a lot of worldliness in Jerusalem as well, I might add. But that's when they want to, they're, they're desperate to get right with the Lord, and they, even though they might be living their life, it's alien to God, but they still know their roots and their origins, and they will still try and appease God as they move towards these autumn feasts, even though they're lost. Because I want to make very clearly, I'm talking about these feasts, but I want to tell you right now, there is only one name under heaven for anyone to get saved, Jew or Gentile alike. It is the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. He is the fulfillment of the old, and he established the new. And no Jew can get saved with the Old Testament and he can be sacrificing bulls and goats. He can be sending 10,000 goats into the desert. I want to tell you this, I'll never take away his sin. There's only one who can take away the sin for the Jew and for the Gentile and that is the Son of God. God says he laid everything completely in the Son. There's only one way to approach the Lord and it is through the Son. The Son, the Son, the Son. Glory to God. I love the Lord Jesus Christ. Hallelujah. And so as we approach this day, and even this day, I thought this. Do you know, sometimes as a Christian, I sometimes, you know, we should all be fasting regular anyway. I thought, but sometimes it's a good period of time just to say, do you know something? Am I, am I, am I feeling, am I right with the Lord? Am I right with the Lord? And you ask yourself the question, ask myself the question. Do you know, I know there's still areas in my life that I need to be chipping away at, that I need to say, right, I need to bring that back and get that under the blood. Areas you just accept, well, that's just what it is, you know, and, you know, and it's, you know, whatever. I mean, there's people in the church I worry about. I see them, I don't see them. Well, I don't know, maybe they're working. You can't help that. I mean, sometimes Stuart's got a very important job and he's working. Other people here are working, get important jobs. That's fine, you know, if you can't make it for whatever reason. But see, if I'm sitting in the house with my feet up, I'm not, ah, maybe see you next week. Hey, there's a problem. We were raised in church, Linda, weren't we? It's like, you didn't want to miss church. It's church today, glory to God. Do you remember the days when Scotland honored the Sabbath? Nobody worked on the Sabbath. Hallelujah, because it was a, the Lord's day. Now, I know we're living in a culture today, you're forced to work on a Sunday. And I realize that now, because that's just the way the culture of the world was, but it wasn't there. But if you're working on a Sunday, be saying, I don't know if you get double time on a Sunday, <laughs> do you remember? That was always the wee, the, the wee carrot and the, the stick, wasn't it? Fancy working on a Sunday? Double time? No, 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 no. That's the day I worship my Lord, my friend. And I will not be working. What a witness is that when you're in the culture of the world? You're going to be working on Sunday? No, that's the day I worship the Lord. What? That's right. And I can just give a quiet witness and then everybody in the world's talking about you. I see that guy, Gordon? Oh, you know, he's, you, hey, you look at him working on a Sunday. Oh, he'll be, he's one of the holy ones. He'll be at church. Isn't that a tremendous testimony? When our neighbours see us going out the house on a Sunday, where is it? Oh, they'll be going to church. Now our neighbours look at us and we're in the hot tub and all that. Oh. Catch up with church next week. So why do we go to church? 
And if you're going to church, I better go to church so people will be talking about me. Well, that's a sad reason for going to church, is it not? But I want to tell you this, even the joy of the Lord's in your heart and all the rest of it, and you're bursting at the seams and you just want to love the Lord. And you're like, Sunday, it's Sunday, hallelujah. The Lord's day, I can't wait to get to church. I can't wait to worship him, hallelujah. I can't wait to just see my brothers and sisters in Christ. Oh, hallelujah, praise God. It's Sunday. Rather than jumping and being, oh, Sunday. Listen, guys, how do you get that? You start pulling closer to God. Start spending time in prayer. Start getting yourself sorted out with the Lord. And just say, Lord, Lord, I've lost my fire. I've lost my flavor. Lord, I used to be, I used to be so much more fired up in the things of God. Glory to God. Bring me back. Get that fire going again. Spend, start spending time in prayer. Start getting into the presence of God. Hallelujah. And he will do this. Praise his wonderful name. So we always have to do these. When things come in and crop, we'll separate us. This is why in the Day of Atonement, this is what they are focusing on. What do we focus on? Well, we, they're looking forward. We're looking back. Amen. We're looking back at the Lamb of God who came and took away the world. We're looking back at the great sacrifice of the Lord Jesus Christ. There will never ever be another sacrifice. There's only one, one, and it's forever, and ever, and ever, and ever. Hallelujah. One on, one. It's done. It's finished. Those great words when he was on the cross, and he hung his head, and he says, Father, it is finished. And he gave up the ghost and hung his head. Do you know, nobody took Jesus' life from him. He gave up his life. It's amazing. This is what we may be missing that. You know, it wasn't because of the terrible scourging and the wounds that took his life. Jesus chose at the right moment when it was finished, when he had completed and he knew he hung there. They reckon for about six hours he hung there. And then it came to that period of time and Jesus says, it is finished. And he gave up his life. Amen. It's done. It's complete. Everything was complete. Everything that was written was complete. The deal was done. And then when he rose three days victoriously, that was the Father gave her the full approval when he raised him from the dead that we don't have to doubt anything, brethren. It is done. Our sins have been forgiven. Glory to God. Jesus Christ rose from the grave victoriously. And because he rose, we rose with him. Hallelujah. When he rose, we rose. That's why when the Bible says we are seated with him in heavenly places in the kingdom of God, then we are also seated with him in the realm of the Spirit. Glory to God. And the day is coming when he's going to come and he scoop us up and bring us to herself. This is what the day of atonement is about, friends. And I want us to focus upon that even as we get today, as we move into tomorrow. Listen, guys, see if you need to get right with the Lord. Please get right with him. See if you've lost your, your flavor. See if you've lost your excitement. For especially when you're a bit old in the tooth, maturity in the Lord. Now he says, Father, I want my joy back. I want my peace back. I want that excitement back. Glory to God. Hallelujah. And I'm going to, I'm going to get it back. I'm going to determine. You know, when you're determined to get something, my friends, you will get it. Are you determined to say, Lord, I'm going to get that closeness back. I'm going to get that zeal back. Where was, where's that zeal that I used to have for the Lord? Hallelujah. And you can speak it to you. You know when somebody's in fire before. Do you ever come into somebody's presence and they're bursting at the seams with the Lord? You just know it. You're like, oh, hallelujah. That's the people I like to rub shoulders with. Glory to God. Praise his wonderful name. Let me just see if I've got a finishing scripture here for us today. Actually, I've not. 
because I've just read that. I could, I could read on into the book of Hebrews, but I'm not because I've asked Alan now to come. And Alan's going to come and he's going to just bring some scriptures to us. And he's going to lead us to the breaking of bread. What a wonderful day to break bread on the eve of atonement. So Alan is going to come now and he is just going to bring um, that before us just now. Yeah.